This podcast is brought to you by Spotlight, the home of casting, which has been helping professional performers find roles since 1927. Hello and welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Harry and Grace Chadwick. They're the brother-sister founders of Interflix Media. Grace is an actor and producer, and Harry works alongside her as a writer and director. Together, they create interactive videos, including film and commercials. We'll be chatting to them about their new interactive film, The Isle Tide Hotel, interactive content in general, the gamification of cinema and what that actually means, as well as the opportunities for actors in this exciting new medium. Take a listen. Lovely. Welcome, Grace and Harry, to the Spotlight Podcast. Hello. Thank you very much so much for having us. A pleasure. Um, could you please introduce yourself for the listeners um, and just explain a little bit about what you do and Interflex? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, back in answer. Uh, my name is um, Harry Chadwick. I uh, am um, head creative, if you like, at Interflix Media. So I'm the writer director of all the content that we produce, um, as well as sort of the, the back end part of it as well. Uh, I'm Grace Chadwick. Um, you'll notice that we both have the same surname. We are brother and sister founding team. Um, and I am managing director at Interflix Media and essentially head up all of the production side of our content. And what, what are your backgrounds in film? Absolutely, yeah. So I, I started working as a runner back when I was 16. I helped a friend's father, uh, Miles Ma- Ma- Ross, um at the bbc sort of moving boxes and then just worked my way up so I, I held a door open for a wardrobe lady uh i remember and she she said oh that's very nice of you would you like to come on, on the next short film i'm doing and then it spreads from there and i think I, I did every position going um i was best boy for a hip-hop opera done by channel four i <laughs> sort of tried my hat at everything and anything um, and then we were on an internal shoot for John Lewis, and I remember speaking to the cameraman and said, you know what, I think I want to, I want to write stories. That's the thing, I want to write this stuff. And he <laughs> said, we can't, we can't watch someone do that, Harry, you're going to have to go to university. And I was like, oh, no. Because I, <laughs> I, I have my own difficulties. I, I, I've um, this and that. I didn't really like, uh, well, I really enjoyed education, but not for the education part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I took myself off to university and then got a BA honours degree in screenwriting. Um, I actually started n- nothing like Harry. I didn't start in the production side. I actually trained as an actor. Um, that was what I did for about eight years professionally. I went over to New York and studied um, at a theatre school over there called Circle in the Square um, and sort of came back. Um, it was amazing to move to New York, but hard to get an agent when you you know come back and you're a graduate and you didn't have a showcase over here. So um, mm-hmm. I sort of said to Harry, you know, we need to, he was a script writer, I was an actor. And so it sort of made sense that we made our own um, films. Um, and I said to him, you know, I really want to do something. Um, and he said, well, here's a load of scripts that I've written. Let's uh, let's make something. And um, really we joined forces, I guess, in 2014 um, with our first short called Pardon the Intrusion. It's like the dream sibling team, <laughs> a writer and an actor. Well, we said, yeah. well, he said the, jo- the internal joke is that um, there's no cheaper crew than family. So yeah. it, it, it just means that you can get things done and uh, yeah, not have to worry about finance as much in the early stage. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about making your own work, you're like, well, yeah, make it together. Brilliant. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what inspired you to create 
the company? I think Harry and I have always um, looked about how we can sort of push the boundaries in film. Um, what, where are the areas that we could sort of, um, in the early days, make a name for ourselves? You know, there are so many small production houses um, with with incredibly talented teams behind them. Um, and Harry sort of came to me in, in 2015 with our first production company, uh, Drift Pictures. And he sort of said, listen, there's this big gap in the market. It's called VR. <laughs> and uh, this was sort of, you know... Uh, nearly 10 years ago now. Um, VR's obviously been around for, for, for many, many decades, but it was sort of having its renaissance and it was more uh, location-based. And so Harry said, let's make narrative content. Let's, you know, let's make short films in VR space. Um, so we were sort of in there for about four years um, and we got various commissions from the US and China. Um, and in 2019, we were commissioned um, by a um, American distributor called Amaze to create interactive content. And that's really how we sort of got our hands on the tech. And Harry was experimenting with script writing in terms of, you know, multi-narrative pathways. And um, when COVID hit in 2020, the commission sort of stopped as as well did. And um we sort of said, okay, how can we make this into a new entity? And we were picked up by the British Film Institute and Creative England at the time to sort of mould the business into taking it out of the headsets and onto the mass market. Um, before sort of Bandersnatch was released, um, it was a little bit harder to explain to people what we were creating. But as soon as that came out, it was, it was you know, like a piece of gold. You could easily say to anybody, oh, have you seen Bandersnatch? And um, that's really how we sort of started rolling with them. Um, and we created Interflix off the back of that. Um, and so for the last two years, we've just been focusing on creating sort of mass marketable content um with with under that umbrella and when you talk about interactive narrative how did you just describe it yeah it's a tricky well, one it's, isn't it's, it it's, it's, <laughs> so i've got interactive it, storytelling interactive yeah. content interactive yeah. narrative it's like which one do you prefer so it, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I think from from a from a maybe this is a bit cynical, and I don't mean to sound cynical, but from a from a financial point of view, interactive is kind of a buzzword, isn't it? It gets people excited. It's like, oh wow, what is it? But interactive storytelling takes many different formats. If I was to describe what it is, it's just the audience getting actively involved. They have to be a participant in the creation of the telling of the story mm -hmm. whether that be a play or a book where you have to turn to page you know um 70 in order to see, read the next scene or in our case um it is uh making the audience choose where the story goes when they watch a film so the simplest way of us describing it is we make films with buttons <laughs> that allow the audience to pick where the story goes so they are actively responsible for the character um, and the choices that he or she makes, and then they can, you know, uh, whoever they're playing, sorry, and um, and they can then choose that specific path. And how do you tackle writing that kind of thing with like multiple narratives going on? It's not easy. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound easy. <laughs> I, um, I think I yeah. The best way to describe it is when you're many screenwriters will know this, and especially. Um, game developers as well that they're, they're this is old hat for them they've been doing it for, for for decades but um when you're creating a script a normal linear film there's always 
possibilities of where the story could go. You've always got sort of options. Okay, the character could do this or the antagonist could react like this. I think the branching narrative allows you to explore multiple different avenues. And that's all you're doing. You're you're reaching that point where a screenwriter would say, okay, what happens next? But instead of them making the decision, you're allowing the audience to do so. And I think if you just tackle the story like that in steps and stages, it's actually, you know, reasonably simple in terms of where the story can go. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, what part of the process is Interflix? Um, involved in so I guess you're you're writing it um and then Grace yeah. you're looking after the production side of things mm-hmm. um like how involved across the whole process are you so at the moment we're very involved and that just comes down to budget requirements so mm-hmm. because it's old and new at the same time and people who know about interactive media are well aware that it's been around for a long time like back to Night Trap and all those uh, 1980s sort of game FMVs that you could play, uh, and having its uh, having its now sort of rebirth, its renaissance, if you like. Um, but the audience for this type of content is still limited. It's growing rapidly and very quickly, and we're really happy with where, where, with where it's going. But at the moment, that means that budgets have to stay low in order to recoup your investment for your investors. With that said, so that was a boring answer. Now the fun. Was it expensive to make this kind of content? Uh, not necessarily. If you if you have a producer that is like Grace, then the answer is no. Because <laughs> if it's if it's formulated in a way where you don't move the camera that much, you're very organised with the scenes that you tackle at a very specific point. Um, then it then it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be at okay. all. So where an actor or a performer might do um, three or four takes of a specific scene, if you are clever with how it's written, you could then just change the dialogue, which will then subsequently change the story. And you can limit it, but make it feel very expansive, if that makes sense. So, yeah. so cost-wise, it, yeah. And pr- pr- so therefore, on a process side... Um, it's far easier for me also to direct. So I wrote, write and direct everything that we do because by the time you've explained to a director and I'm sure there's many talented people out there and we'd love to bring some on board uh, coming up, but I've really fallen in love with it over the last four years and I love exploring how we can vary emotions or how you know we tackle that specific scene. So I write and direct, Grace produces everything. And then on the back end, as I alluded to earlier, we also... Uh, construct the back end mapping ourselves. Um, we edit the content, unfortunately, <laughs> at the moment. Because I think, what's this one, Grace? 700 and... 732 scenes. Yeah, which all have yeah. to be manually interlinked um, mm. with the help of our, our distribution uh, partners. And uh, Grace, at the moment, even down to Grace doing the subtitling all of it at the moment so it's it's a real hands-on sort of experience Very but we involved. love it because, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like then you get uh, as hopefully as we grow and bring on other people to to fill those roles at least we have a, a sort of a, an understanding of what the, what they're going through <laughs> and can help them in that process and and yeah be a bit forgiving in in the sort of time that they need and where are you kind of seeing your audience for this? I, I saw on your website and when I've heard you speak before um, and you spoke about the attention economy, um, which I thought was really interesting. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and what that means for an audience? 
Yeah, of course. I think it's one of the reasons why Harry and I are so excited about this type of genre, I guess, is is that um, it's solving a massive issue in the creative sector. And, and we sort of talk about it being the attention economy. And what we mean by that is, I think all of us, even in the film industry, you know, in any creative industry, are guilty of multiple screens at the same time, scrolling on Instagram whilst watching, you know, the latest TV show whilst probably having your laptop open and it's just um, you know people's attention is is all over the place there's too much content for us to consume at once and so for us it's about grounding our audience's attention and making sure that that attention isn't being misplaced um, by getting them actively involved in our in our story they're immersing themselves in one piece you know they're not their their attention isn't all over the place so for us, it's solving that issue, um, um, and that and that goes across, you know, um, stats for investors. That goes into product placement, making sure that we're getting the most attention for them. That goes to, you know, the actors, making sure that you know their fan base is engaging with them. So I think it's it's a really important issue that creatives need to look at and how that they solve that issue right from how they market their content all the way through to, you know, the, the end product itself. Um, and that's one reason why um, I think people are really gravitating towards this type of genre, because it just solves that issue automatically. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I, I just add to that, that that sort of with the with the advent of streaming services and the amount of options that people have, like normal television and film has in my opinion progressively got so good it's so much mm -hmm. better than it was i mean you've got two ends of the scale arguably and i definitely see that as well but i think because you have to stand out i think succession is the the, the newest buzzword but and then you've also got shows like the last of us but the some of these t even television productions are phenomenal and everyone's yeah. watching them and you know is that a reflection of the fact that there is just so much choice that you have to, you know, up your game, and that's great. It's healthy competition, and I don't think we're looking at it uh, as an easy way out. We're just saying that people are expecting more from their content, and this is a great way of getting them actively involved and allowing them to choose. I, I think if you also look at, um, you know, Harry and I do a lot of research, um, which is obviously not so creative, but it's it's vital uh, that you look at your audience base. And I think if you look at the generations that are coming up and Harry and I talk a lot about it, you know, you've got the, the Gen Z generation, you've got the alpha and they sort of expect this type of content to be you know, it, um, they expect to be interacting with their content in a different way to what maybe um, the older millennials or the generation before that expect to, you know, sit down and watch a piece of content. They want to be playing it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've grown up in a generation where that's just the norm, whether that's on social media, you know, you're interacting with social media from, you know, Snapchat to Instagram, uh, right through to, you know, more traditional ways like film and, uh, and television. I guess people are used to being a bit more active now, aren't they? You know, whether it's scrolling or tap typing or whatever, yeah, rather exactly. than just passively watching something. I can mm -hmm. understand that. Yeah. Um, so with your work, you've produced films and they have won lots of awards. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, you've even been recognised <laughs> by the Oscars for one of them. Um, yeah. 
which is really exciting. So I guess like the industry is paying attention to this stuff as well. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about that experience and, you know, film festivals and all and showcasing your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just give a shout out to anybody that can go to the Palm Springs Film Festival. You've got to go. It's so good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity, that one. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the experience going there, um, you know, we were really, really lucky, uh, as you mentioned, to be um, long-listed for an Academy Award for our first short, Pardon the Intrusion. We, we haven't quite got there since. We're, we're, we're heading for it, but <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while. Um, but it's always exciting, you know, to put your your films in front of um, peers and, and people in the creative sector and, and those that aren't. And, um, yeah, I don't, don't know, Harry, if you have... Yeah, I just think so. We um, were recently lucky enough to, uh, with the Creative Enterprise, Creative UK, uh, went to the Berlin Film Market, Berlin Film Festival, which was a great experience. And um, having lots of chat uh, and talks with sales agents and and, and other producers and, and film festivals that are there. And I think there is a growing consensus that interactive media, whether that be VR, sort of AR or um what we do branching narrative needs to kind of have its place in film festivals before it reaches mass market i suppose in a in a really big way um i think a great example of this is um immortality which is a film by sam barlow um that's available on netflix um and that was up for game of the year award um one of the nominees for the game of the year and so and that was filmed as a film and it just has buttons so I think there needs to be some kind of, you know, my personal, and I know we're biased by saying this, but I think there needs to be some kind of recognition within the industry that, you know, these two worlds are colliding and, you know, and people are enjoying this content. And at some point it would be, it would be great to kind of help this new medium come up by introducing it into your festivals and allowing audiences to experience content in a different way. On that subject, you mentioned Netflix there as well. It seems like they're sort of getting a bit more invested in streaming game streaming um Mm. or that kind of side of things Mm. do you kind of feel like what you're doing is a natural fit within that yeah absolutely i mean uh netflix have obviously their game side where the likes of immortality sits um and they also have netflix interactive um which is essentially um less it has less gamification i would say it's more of a narrative sort of um branching narrative story based um doesn't include any of the gamification that um, we tend to do mm-hmm. um but it's definitely it's definitely coming it the, you know the big streamers are are paying attention um to to this type of content which is exciting and having it sat on a streaming service allows audiences who aren't necessarily gamers to enjoy this type of content you know um it naturally sits on gaming plat- consoles just from the technology perspective so it needs to, it really comfortably sits on playstation xbox um nintendo steam those sorts of platforms and we know that they're championing champion champion getting behind <laughs> getting, getting behind this type of content because um we're really lucky to say that like xbox um demoed uh, the altide hotel at, at, at an event the gdc um in san francisco and, and it's Go, it's, um, I'm not allowed, to, I don't know if we're allowed to say, Grace, are we? But it's going to be in the yeah, upcoming yeah. festival as well. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, and th- th- that's just, you know, it's an FMV, but they're showcasing it as a game. 
So we know that it kind of helps them fulfill an, a need for their uh, audience base, um, that, that those small but hardcore demographic that, that like this type of content. And so it's nice to see that Netflix are also looking at this as a potential avenue because it allows us to, I suppose, help people who aren't gamers enjoy this type of content as well. Mm. I think there's some good opportunity here for you coming up where like, streamers try and battle it out for who's going to you know, win. Because with the Definitely. changes that Netflix have done with their subscriptions, they're clearly looking at how they can differentiate themselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your latest film just then, The, the Tidal Hotel. Yes. Um, so it's coming soon. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, how people can watch it, when it's coming? Absolutely, yeah, thank you. Uh, so The Altide Hotel is being released on the um, 3rd of August. I'm looking to my producer just to make sure that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> being released on the 3rd of August on uh, all major gaming platforms, as I've just mentioned. So um, if you own a, an, an Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, or uh, a PC on Steam, an Epic Store, um, you can purchase it. You play as an absent father who must rescue his teenage daughter from an eccentric cult before they're finding like the Altide Hotel. Very brazen for me to say this, but it's Wes Anderson inspired uh, adventure genre. So it's quite quirky. We have 40 amazing cast members in it, each with their kind of own avenues to sort of explore or discover. Um, but it features sort of three main storylines um with 14 different possible endings that greatly differ it's not just sort of text at the end that says <laughs> in a different way like uh, different <laughs> locations and stuff um and spans across i think we're just finishing it out at about seven hours worth of content but each time wow. you play it it will be 90 minutes so it's a short okay. for an fmv it's a shorter experience we, we opted to go shorter so it's you can enjoy it and really get the most out of it but there's so much more to explore do you foresee people repeating it so they can see what the different oh, options absolutely. are i know i'm terrible for doing that i'm like a completist so i need to see yeah. everything yeah. <laughs> oh, well then you're our target demographic definitely yeah. uh, you mean, <laughs> so. and i think and i think in order for make to make that enjoyable something that you want to do we've hopefully put that in the writing so that there are milestones or gateways if you like that you reach and you think I definitely could have followed him or I definitely could have gone with that person or um, what would have happened if I didn't get kicked out of the hotel you know um, I think a great example of this is when you enter the hotel at the very start um, you pass an actor called Amit Shah and he's nervously outside the hotel and he's just about to speak to you and and sort of loses his nerve uh, and then you enter the hotel and there's a possibility that you don't ever see him again until later, but I can't give that away. Um, but you know, he's there. So I could have gone outside in some scenario. I could have spoken to him and learned his story and, and, and figured that out. So it's about teasing certain aspects to the audience, not leaving it up to just, if you replay it, Oh, that's different. That's different. You're, you're almost tempting people to come back. So hopefully we've delivered on, on that as well for, for our audiences. And how did, um, you mentioned you had 40 strong cast there, so how did casting go about for that? We um, partnered with uh, the team at the Daniel Edwards Casting, um, Lucy, our amazing cast, yes, <laughs> um, we have, Harry uh, and I have actually known Daniel since we were 
I was 14 and Harry was sort of 17, 18, um, just uh, through Action. working. I was about to say, sorry to jump in, but that at the very start of this conversation, when I said I held the door open for the wardrobe department, <laughs> I then met Daniel on that that short film. He was producing it at the time. Um, and that's wow. how we met. So One thing really did lead to another film. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it always does. <laughs> yeah, it always does, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's been a wonderful family friend for a long time. And, you know, we sort of broached the, the, the subject with him. We said, you know, we know you're a prolific you know, fantastic casting agent, but would you guys ever consider doing something a bit crazy? And um, it's this thing called, you know, um, interactive filmmaking. And um, luckily, Lucy, uh, she's a she's a bit of a gamer herself, and her, and so it's her husband. So she was sort of straight on board, which was really lovely. And we worked really closely with her and um, Tom, who's also in the office there, to sort of. Um, you know, educate uh, actors and agents um, on what this opportunity was. Um, you know, that, that's sometimes a bit of the barrier to entry um, we sort of found was was just making sure that, that people understood what it was that we were trying to create. Um, and it's all, you know, when any new genre comes about, it's just about education and, and um, really diving deep on on what they can expect. Um, so we did do, a, you know, a lot of... Um, decks for the actors so that they could see the mapping and they could really understand what we were trying to achieve. Um, I think Michael Xavier, who was our wonderful lead, um, you essentially play his character in, in the game, um, was in every single scene. And he was like, guys, how on earth in five weeks are you expecting to shoot? I think the script is like 300 odd pages, um, seven hours of footage, like this is bonkers, like you're never gonna do it. And we were like, trust us, we're gonna do it. Like <laughs> we know how to structure this now, we've done it so many times. Uh, and we did it and, and he was, you know, he, he couldn't quite believe that uh, <laughs> we got through so much. Is that yeah. kind of what a typical length of filming looks like at the moment? Is no, it? Well, yes and no. I think we, we when we first had a discussion, Grace and I, we, we um, teamed up with our distribution company, Wells Interactive, and they said, you know, have you got a script or an idea? We said, yes, pick one. You know, we've got a fair few. Um, and the Artide Hotel has been very close to Grace and a uh, project that Grace and I have really loved for a long time. Um, and so we, when we were discussing it, we were like, well, as this is our foray, uh, our sort of opening into this new world on a, on a mass scale maybe we should do something that's quite small but clever and designed blah, blah, blah. we just threw that straight out the window we went let's go massive with no budget <laughs> loads of people on casting crew and no one really knows what they're doing and let's let's let's, let's dive into it poor grace and from a cast <laughs> perspective as well there's a twist at the midpoint that meant a lot of the um cast that we had the actors um then had to change up that in film persona drastically so not only was it a case of trying to figure out which character was in which scene in which timeline but also which version of themselves they were so it just (laughs) we were you know we really went for it with this one and i'm really proud uh dare i say of of all the crew and and especially the cast and everyone involved because I, i think it really came out well what we were trying to achieve what was um a typical day on set look like for an actor or performer chaotic (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like it might be full-on if you're filming like that much stuff in this short period of time yeah it it is um I think um one thing that 
Um, I mean, it's like any other day on set, um, which is nice because you're not, you know, you're not not going completely, uh, you're not sort of scrapping the the norm and, um, you know, how it's been done. Um, So it looks like any other day, I guess, on set. But what we do do with all the actors, um, Harry will always make sure that he's, um, sorry, Harry, I'm sort of speaking for you here, but um, we always have like our interactive mapping printed out you know, uh, in a huge version so that we can speak the actor through where they are in the story, what storyline they're in at the moment. And that might mean that, you know, uh, yesterday they were on a completely different story path. And so their emotions are going to be completely different to the ones that they're playing today. Um, And of course, with with interactivity, you have multiple options of the same scene. Um, So Michael for instance, our lead would have to play the same scene, but in different um, emotional states. So it's it's working with Harry to sort of understand, I guess, the in-depth um, script narrative and where they are. So it must be quite a close working relationship for you, Harry, with the cast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I would like to think so. And I think we... Um... Yeah, really lucky to say that we had some lovely uh, feedback from from everyone uh, back back to D- for D- D- Lucy and the agency. Um, but it was a great experience. I think it was exciting. For, I would like to say or think it was exciting for the cast just to be able to do something new and a bit different. And I think the challenge of that really excited a lot of actors. I think we had potentially looked uh, when we had an initial discussion with Lucy at more theatre trained actors because as Grace said you know it, it it was quite full-on and I think a big difference for cast was the turnaround time because it, you're shooting a lot of content in such a short window they weren't sitting around with their books quite as much it was quite you know it was a lot more fun and almost like shooting theatre in that way mm-hmm. um, so it's a lot more active uh, Active and poor Michael barely had a break you know for the, for the five weeks but absolutely Terrific chat, but not that you would note it. Like our, our DOP, um, Ravenna Tran, who's got a phenomenal eye and comes from the gaming industry, actually, um, shot it in a way that you wouldn't know that it was so quick and you know the lighting's gorgeous and everything. And we all, this is down to grace, always wrapped on time every day. I mean, <laughs> that is in itself worth Stressful. Some sort you must of... be so organised, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, could not do it without uh, organisation. I think, uh, would you say that that's the key to the success of the Arte Grace is the organisation behind it? I think the... so. I think when you're faced with um, so much, um, you know, to film, you have to be almost, I mean, even if you go into a traditional feature or short or whatever, you have to be, you know, so organised. But I think when you're essentially shooting three feature films um it has to be another level it has to be you know everybody Um, has to know what they're doing and you can't really blag it too too much uh on an interactive film shoot (laughs) and also with with the danger as well with interactive storytelling is if you miss a scene it might derail that branch it might not connect Mm -hmm. So it's almost imperative that you get the content as well, because otherwise that gamification side of it won't work. It won't make right. sense. Have a little um, tidbit that I always like to sort of uh, talk about when I'm speaking to someone about interactivity, because I just think it's fascinating. So, um, one of Sam Barlow's uh, initial short, um, uh, sorry, uh, initial FMVs called Her Story was shot 
um, where you type actively type in a word and it brings up clips and you're investigating a crime that's happened. So it's an interview room, uh, but there's hundred like I think hundreds, but uh, there's a lot a lot of clips. And she might say, "Oh well, I you know I wasn't there at the time. I took a vacation in Mallorca." And you could type in Mallorca and five more clips come up. The reason I bring that up is because when they're filming it, every single word had to be delivered by that actor specifically in that order. They couldn't ad lib, they couldn't forget, they couldn't do anything different because if they did, that one word might affect the entire game. So I just thought well, that was a really unique. I mean, we were able to ad lib a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but that text based gamification is incredibly different for for a cast member i suppose not only have you got yeah. this vast amount of content but it's also imperative that you you, you get it right so well on that so what how do how does an audition process well what does that look like for um you know do, should people be off book like how do you send sides you know how well, we do send sides what do you look for? um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again it's sort of um we are sort of trying to keep very much to how it's always been done um, just okay. so that, you know, we don't want to come in saying we're creating this brand new um, way of working um, and we're throwing everything out the window that, you you know, is the norm for you guys. We want to make sure that it's um, accessible and it feels comfortable for actors, um, it, it, primarily in, the, in those audition stages. So we do send sides. Um, it's a little bit harder when you're sending out the script to the lead cast because you're sending a 350 page script that you know unless you're playing it through the software that we have it you're reading it like you're on page 14 and it will say turn to page 74 because that's the you know that's when the next option is and yeah and it feels like you've been reading for hours but in screen time it's only going to be about five minutes so it, <laughs> it, can, it can feel a little bit um disjointed for, for actors mm -hmm. when they're reading scripts like that, especially if they haven't come across it before. Um, so what we tend to do is we send uh, a linear um, version as okay. well. So we might pick, you know, the first option of that um, script for them so then they can read it like a traditional story and then give them, you know, these are the other options that could have played out. Um, but yeah, we, we we do audition like any like we would any, any other... Um, feature or short and i think it's just about being clear so whereas you might when you send uh, sides you might pick certain scenes throughout the film where you can kind of get a, a a picture of where that actor is taking that character arc and that difference in emotion whereas for us it might be in the same scene and you might just give them three pages and one of them you say you know they they might it the text would allude to them almost pleading in one threatening in another or being arrogant in the third so there's a unique difference but they they can read it's the same location at the same time but it's just de delivered in a different emotional state so that i think is quite interesting thank you um so if a performer wanted to get into this type of work are there any skills they should look to develop or um i don't know how, how do they approach getting into interactive storytelling oh i think one. it's becoming more i think it's becoming more um, prevalent as well. I think we can see, you know, Grace and I have got a, a very lucky to know quite a lot of people within this sector because it's quite small, especially on the software side. I was going to say, there's not many people, that's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and, and as far as sort of cast uh, directors, sorry, go and, and production companies that are producing this type of content, I think, um, yeah, keep an eye out. Well, I mean, we um, went through Spotlight to, to, to do Thank lots you. of the Art at Hotel, and there's always projects coming forward. So I think keeping an eye out for that interactive tag, if you like, or, or in, the, in the description, um, that uh, that would be a certain way to get involved, definitely. I think it, they, they are becoming I more prolific. I think also um, being able to like immerse yourself in the genre is always quite exciting to, to really understand what you're auditioning for. Um, it's, it was slightly different with the archive because there were, at the time when we were shooting, there aren't, you know, a huge amount of uh, um, options of this content to, to watch. But, you know, if, as we said, if you go on Netflix, they have a granted that some of most of it is sort of swayed to a younger audience but the likes of band of snatches out there if you go on to steam you know that if you go up under the fmv tag um you know there are a lot of um of these titles out there so it's just really understanding that this is a type of genre that you're interested in and you want to get involved in because as we said it's it's not for everybody it's mm -hmm. it is um it's slightly different and um it's just making sure that you know you're excited by by um by the genre itself. Is it helpful for them perhaps to have been, well, you mentioned having theatre-based skills, but also um, perhaps being a gamer or yeah, familiarity not, with that kind of narrative? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. But at the same time, it's not necessary. I think, um, not naming names, but I think the majority of the cast of the Altide Hotel weren't necessarily gamers, and they still had a, a firm grasp and understanding quite quickly of, of how it unfolds. I think, as Grace was saying, it's quite daunting initially because the script is, it's like turned to page ten. But when you when you are able to see it from a like a a mind map or a, a bird's eye view, it's quite easy to pick up, wouldn't you say, Grace? Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Uh, Harry saying that a lot of them weren't gamers, but I think what excited them was the fact that they were opening themselves up mm. to a gaming audience, um, which, you know, we can see, I think this year alone, there are about 18 um, game adaptions coming to TV because that um, those cross genres are, are, are so prevalent in the industry now, just because financially it just makes sense mm. for, for the industry. Because the last of us was so good, I feel like they cracked it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, if you look, if you look at comparisons, you know, side by side, the shots from the game are exactly the shots that they it's use incredible. for the, the TV show because the gaming industry have just nailed it for so long. And it's only until now where the film industry have sort of got off their pedestal and gone, oh, actually, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that genre didn't sink, you know, when COVID hit and it, it boomed, and and there are such exciting opportunities there. And I think that that's why we're seeing a lot of actors wanting to open up to that audience base because they are so loyal um, to the characters that they play. You know, you can look at Comic-Con and things like that that have been around for years and, uh, you know, they're just absolutely devoted. We have the wonderful Richard Brake from, uh, he plays the Night King in the Game of Thrones. And, um, you know, just that, I know that wasn't a, a, a game per se, but that sort of fan base gravitates towards those sort of fantasy things. Mm -hmm. And he was saying at Comic-Con, uh, where all the gamers and things are going, you know, that his fan base are just so passionate. And I think that's wonderful for actors. I think, you know, you don't often get that um, uh, in film so much unless, you know, 
your Brad Pitt or whoever, you know, but uh, if you're playing some of those smaller roles that people really gravitate towards because they love your character in the game, or um, I think that that's, for, for speaking as a past actor, it's something that's really thrilling. Yeah. Have you ever performed in any of your work, Grace? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> no, not unfortunately. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, yeah, that's that. Uh, obviously, that's how Harry and I started because I, I needed a, a, a really good looking showreel. <laughs> so I made us uh, you know, uh, create lots of content. And um, it wasn't until a few years ago when I, I really started to uh, take charge of the production side that I just said, Harry, it's it's too hard trying to run the set and be part of part of uh, you know the performance you can't quite split your time and, and energy you need to be focused i think on on one or the other so uh, we, i've we, taken a big we, step back from that we did one interactive vr feature called uh what was the one in the woods the bone witch the bone, the bone witch, witch. Which is uh, a story about um, a carriage uh, with two two footmen um, and two ladies. They got late, uh, yeah, late like um, as in uh, as part of the aristocracy sort of aristocracy. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the carriage collapses in the middle of the woods in the sort of late eighteen hundreds. And this particular woods is haunted by a witch. And the roles reverse. It's a thing about um, uh, status. Yeah. Thank you, Grace. Yeah. Role yeah. reversal status. <laughs> um, and you performed in that. And so we had this amazing, like, big dress that Grace had to wore. And then when we press cut, she would have to hike it up and run down the set in order to get the lunches ready for everyone. <laughs> Still in full garb and costume. So I think from that point on, Grace said, actually, I'm all right. I'll just do one yeah. or the other. Great, such a great image, though. <laughs> yeah, Vision yeah. of that. <laughs> In your boned yeah. corset making some sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, so when I was having a look through some of your work on your website, I will drop the website in the link so people can have a look themselves. Um, there seem to be a lot of thrillers and horrors. Is that because that's kind of what you gravitate towards creating or is that because that those particular genres lend themselves better to the kind of filmmaking you're doing? I think, it, yeah, they, they, it, globally travels well horror and thrill i think there's less when we were doing the vr um, a big part of our market distribution strategy was based in china um, and we tried our hardest to do comedy in, in um, virtuality <laughs> we had a fair few comical um uh, vr experiences but they just didn't translate well didn't at translate. all no at all and so i okay. think everyone knows what's scary um i mm. think now we're going on to the more mass market i think it's telling that the old title tell is an adventure genre i think our next one um is also loosely based on alfred hitchcock presents that old show where it's sort of short stories yeah. that will formulate um and it's following that kind of thriller-esque but um there is a special place in my heart for horror and i think the only thing i can say is watch this space because we're working on something (laughs) that will hopefully help um bring something new and exciting to the genre we'll see i said i remember the first time i played and then completely forgot the name of it (laughs) a resident (laughs) evil in vr yes completely (laughs) traumatized again (laughs) it was horrendous (laughs) i've clearly not made of the strong stuff anymore (laughs) um do you have any recommendations of things people can watch 
to sort of get more of an understanding. You mentioned Bandersnatch, you mentioned a couple of things on Netflix. Um, but if you just have some, you know, top of mind that you would recommend people would watch or play. Absolutely. I think if you're the, so the best way to do it is to download a uh, software called Steam on your PC or, or Mac. Um, the great thing about FMVs are they're easily ported onto Mac because if you're a Mac owner, there's not many games available for you on on Steam because it's much harder and more expensive to port over. Um, so regardless, this is a really good way if you're a Mac user to, to experience it as well. There's a software called Steam uh, that's free to download. And then if you type into the search bar FMV, you'll see a host of different options. Um, our, the distribution company... Should we just part- clarify what FMV stands for? I'm just Absolutely. conscious that people might not so, know. Yeah. So, well, mm-hmm. we still don't know. I mean, we do. <laughs> of course we do. We, but we joke we don't. It's a, it stands for full motion video, um, which is a term coined by the gaming industry to refer to images that move so quickly that it looks like fluid motion that it's just video it's it's if you play a video in a game if anyone played like red alert or anything or resident evil they had <laughs> clips of actors uh, in the very first one and that's where the, the 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 phrase was coined um so if you type fmv into steam you'll see a host of them some great ones up my well uh it's um quite old now i suppose dated because they've done so many since but our distribution partners have created and distributed like 11 of these at the moment one of their, their earlier works i'm really fond of is called the bunker um mm-hmm. so really quickly fmv is kind of split if you like into two different categories unspoken categories one is interactive film where it's just the film is on on rails and you're able to pick which track it goes down so that's like late shift which is a really great example of, of that by um tobias weber i think directed it um so that's a great film whereas the other side of it is like we were saying sam barlow's her story which is more gamification very much gamification it's just a bunch of clips mm-hmm. and you are the detective you have to figure it out whereas grace and i with the altide hotel are trying to come in the middle have a film that has gaming elements throughout it so the bunker also fits into that so that's a great one there's also um a, a director called paul rashid who does great kind of um comical-esque they're not necessarily comedy but uh, there's a thing called five dates which is a great one where you go on five dates and you can sort of mm-hmm. see how the date goes and that's a great one for for lots of people just looking into it so if you're not horror thriller or, or into anything like really heavy that's a great one to start with as well and he's just released a new one actually called 10 dates i did um, wonder if there was going to be anything around like rom-coms i say rom-coms but absolutely yeah. i wondered if I there th- would be anything yeah <laughs> I, I think it's interesting but just because i mean we we always say this as well in the, um internally but we've got a big thing on our whiteboard downstairs we've got a huge whiteboard and right at the very top in big letters is don't rely on the tech so the story has to be a good story told well and the tech just enhances it if you like we hope yeah. anyway you know it's subjective people might not like the outside hotel of course <laughs> but um but uh we don't rely on the tech and i think this the difference with this medium unlike vr that we've been in ourselves is that it is just film with something added on top and you can see how varied film and television is so it can fit into any genre it just comes down to the writer and 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 the production company behind it that's that's why it's so exciting because it's so universal sorry grace what are you gonna say no, I was just uh, just bouncing off. Uh, Netflix have just uh, put out a, a release that they are doing a big rom com 
uh, in interactivity from the the writers of uh, my big fat Greek wedding. So I'm excited about that oh. one. So yeah. that would be really you know, good. Yeah. Hollywood are starting to to jump on the the interactive bandwagon. So uh, yeah. It's going to be, it sounds really exciting, some interesting stuff coming up, so yeah. keep, a, keep an eye out, I guess. Yeah, um, Yeah. so just two more questions for you. The first one is, um, what top tips you might have for performers who are able, who are working inter- in interactive film, or in the future will be working in interactive film? Just some quick things like so it this could is be about re- working with director being organized being on time whatever you want absolutely this is really specific really specific but i think um the way interactivity is is shot and the way we then cut it in the edit room is that once the performance of the scene finishes there needs to be an eight second pause is the rule of thumb so we hold that frame for eight seconds on that character to allow the audience to read the options or click and pick where they're gonna go. And that that eight seconds is looped. So my tip for any actor in this FMV would be never, and it sounds obvious, but never let your guard down. It is filming theater in that, in that regard. So to hold the character in those eight seconds and or even bringing something new into that silence is something that I think we touched on in the outside hotel and became quite evident quite quickly in something that will progress and, and adapt. But I think from a performance perspective, it would be great for any cast member to keep that in mind and think, how can I use that silence and use that time to bring something maybe a little bit different um, to keep that, that, you know, emotion of the character alive in that scene. That's a great tip. Thank you. Anything from you, Grace? <laughs> Oh gosh, uh, I think that, that that's definitely one of our top ones. But um, also, yeah, don't underestimate how fast uh, it needs to be shot. Um, I think a lot of um, film actors stumbled a little bit on. Oh gosh, okay, I haven't quite learnt those that scene yet. I was going to go and sit and quickly learn those, and that you know we're churning, we're, we're moving so quickly. So again very much like theatre it's almost like you know knowing that script back to front and also understanding the timeline really not just understanding you know your scene but understanding um how that scene interlinks with you know the three different pathways and um where you are in that emotional state um in in what um timeline you're in um and my last question i always finish this is um what are you or have you watched recently or any podcast you've listened to what are you reading what are you playing i called harry and i said oh gosh they're gonna ask us about this and uh harry and i have just both had uh both had babies in the last six months so oh congratulations so nothing so, my, so mine would so be nothing. Miss, miss Rachel I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of Miss Rachel so far and it's uh, a kids tv thing on yeah. YouTube um what what else uh, no my, so, mine is uh I, I'm so behind so I'm trying to avoid any spoilers but I am on episode four of Succession the last series um oh, yeah. so I'm excited to see how that wraps up and also a quick 20 minute episode show um, is a, a bit of a sitcom called uh, Catastrophe on Netflix, yeah. uh, which is, uh, it's, I guess it's quite old now. I'm only on season two, but I think it came out in 2019. I'm not sure if it's still shooting, but i um, really enjoying that because it's bite size. It's not having to sit down for an hour um, and being interrupted by a baby. But uh, yeah, so Catastrophe and Succession, I would say, are my two. 
Um, I quickly had to reach for my phone um, because I've got a terrible, <laughs> terrible memory. So I um, listened to many, many uh, audiobooks to and from work mm. um, about writing. Always, start, Whenever we tackle a new script or concept, we always go right back to the beginning and uh, and learn the basics every time. And that's mainly down to my memory because I've got uh, a bit of <laughs> terrible memory. But there's a great audiobook that I listened to before um we go on to any production that i listen to all the time called directing actors by judith weston mm -hmm. which okay. is from a director's perspective on how um how to help direct actors but i also listen to actors audiobooks um about how to work with directors so i think a great tip would be you know i know that's very on the nose for, for, for this podcast but i think if there's cast listing out there that's a great audiobook from a director's point of view of how they approach actors and so to know that other side of it the vice versa is, is, a, is a great little listen because my my real answer was going to be selling sunset because I'm married <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't get to choose what's on the TV. Um, you can't be so. blaming anyone else for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Wonderful. Well, Harry and Grace, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank no you. Thank you great. very much. Thank, thank you for having you. us. That's great. Thanks to Harry and Grace for chatting to us today and talking about some of the innovation happening in film. If you'd like to learn more and see some of their work, you can visit interflixmedia.com and be sure to check out the Isle Tide Hotel, which is streaming now. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Spotlight is the home of casting. We've been helping professional performers find roles in TV, film and the theatre for almost 100 years. Over 90% of UK television work last year was cast on Spotlight. And now, joining us is easier than ever. If you have professional training, featured performance credits or a recommendation from an agent or casting director, you can sign up to become a Spotlight member. As a member, you'll get a performer profile to help you be discovered by casting directors and access our jobs board. We also offer exclusive member-only benefits like career advice sessions, workshops, events, discounts on services for professional performers and more. Ready to take the next step in your performing career? Find out more on how to join Spotlight by visiting www.spotlight.com forward slash join now.